Mark chapter 1, and I want to um, kind of speak to you on some things that even the Lord's been dealing with me in my own life, and uh, as we have been uh, studying, especially in, in teens here lately, we've been uh, talking about following Christ and what it, what it means to truly follow Him. And uh, I've, I've read some different things recently, been doing this Bible study and just getting into the Word too, and, and following and, and reading what it truly means to be a follower, a true follower of Jesus Christ. So I want to speak tonight on, are you following Jesus? And we'll be here in, in Mark chapter 1, and we'll read some verses. We'll be jumping around um, all through Mark. So start in uh, verse 16, and we'll uh, read through verse 18. It says, now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto him, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. If you underline or mark or highlight in your Bible, a couple things I want you to, to highlight here if it's not already highlighted or underlined. Uh, in verse 18, if you'll uh, highlight straightway. And then uh, in verse 17, Come ye after me. And there's a few things that we'll be hitting on here in this scripture. So I, I want to kind of set the scene here uh, for what's going on. Mark here is, is uh, here talking about the church being persecuted. Uh, Christians are suffering, becoming followers of Jesus. And Mark here wants to help these suffering believers. And he starts by telling them something uh, stupendous that has, has happened. And God has come to earth as, as man fulfillment Old Testament prophecy. Uh, the promised Messiah has arrived here to save his people. And in light of all the glorious good news uh, and, the, and Jesus coming to earth, Mark here is going to answer two questions for us. Who is this person and what should our response be here to this news? And the answers to that is obviously this is Jesus who, who we're talking about and we are supposed to follow him. There's many scriptures in the Bible where it says that the disciples, they forsook all and they followed Jesus Christ. And God says, come after me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And as I've been reading this and studying this out, this word follow sometimes I think is not exactly uh, what it is in our minds that we think that it is. Uh, we think that it's something that, that is just a, a little simple little task and it's okay, we'll just follow Jesus around and whatever. But that's not what it is meaning here. And so I want to uh, give you some, some scriptures, some different thoughts, some different quotes that I have uh, gathered and, and stuff that has been influential in my life. So what does it truly mean to follow Jesus? Uh, a lot of people think uh, that following Jesus is you go on Twitter and you hit the follow button and you follow what the daily Bible verses so-and-so gives you during the week. Or you get on Facebook and you like statuses that, that people talk about Jesus and you go like the God page that uh, millions of people go like and hit that button. Or you do whatever and they think, you know, I'm a follower of Christ because I, you know, share, you know, social media or I follow him in this way, shape, or form. But, but that's not what this is meaning. Following Jesus is not some fad or not some uh, little simple thing, but following Jesus is a lifestyle. Following Jesus is something that we are daily doing. It is a lifestyle that we live. Uh, there is many, many different uh, examples of people that are followers. And so uh, for my example, you guys know that I like to use sports. I try to relay sports to everybody. And uh, I was telling this to our, our teens a few weeks ago, but LeBron James has come back home to Cleveland. Everybody's excited. LeBron's back, and everybody's clapping and happy. Some people are booing. Yeah, but LeBron has, has come back home. And there are people, when LeBron went to, to Miami, 
they was burning his jerseys, and they were all upset when he left Cleveland, and everybody was mad and upset, and, and they were all in an uproar. And now that he's left Miami, everybody's burning his jersey and all around, and they don't like him anymore, and they're booing him and everything. And he's come back home, and, and here I, I kind of uh, take that as people who are, who are not followers of, let's say, LeBron. They're more like fans. They're, they're fair-weather fans. There's a difference in someone who is a, a fan of, of, a, of the Buckeyes and someone who is a follower. I see someone as a follower who goes to every single game. They're there. They follow them away. They go all the way out of state. They get, they're the first one at the away team's gate. They're the first one uh, to, to drive there. They drive and they follow the whole team. Everywhere that team goes, that's where they go. Everywhere that, that that team drives to, it doesn't matter if it's in Florida or Texas or Michigan, no matter where it is, you'll always see someone who is following that team. But then we have people here that live in Columbus that are fans. They go to the game when they're in town. They go to the game when it's convenient for them to go. They're not going to drive all these hours and spend all this money on gas and all these different things. Why? Because there's a difference in someone who is a fan and there's then someone who is a follower. Does that make sense? You see someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. They are following Jesus everywhere, every way that he goes, every turn that he takes them on in their life, every situation that happens, they continue to follow Jesus. But then there's also fans of Jesus. There's fans of people that just decide to root for him when it's convenient. They decide to root for Jesus, and they're kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan for Jesus, whenever it's something that is not going to cost them too much. And so here... When it comes to fans and followers, fans mistake knowledge of Jesus for intimacy with Jesus. And we see that that is, that is something that's vitally important. Not just having a head knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, but having a personal relationship with him. So we're going to get in here. I want to give you a few quick things, and, and I'll try to be done. But number one, if you're taking notes, to follow Jesus means to recognize his authority. To follow Jesus means to recognize his authority. And Mark 1.16 we read, it says, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net uh, into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to him, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone out a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and, le- and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. To follow, to follow Jesus means to recognize or identify or to know Jesus' Jesus's authority here. And Mark describes what it means to follow Jesus by including here the calling of the first disciples of Jesus. And this encounter that we see seems to come out of the blue here. And people have heard about him. Peter and Andrew and James and John were acquainted with Jesus. And the picture of uh, this scene here in your mind, Jesus is on the shore and they're all around uh, fixing their nets and getting ready and, and preparing for their, for their next busy day of, of catching fish. And Jesus is coming to them, interrupts them in their work and says, I want you to follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of people. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I want you to take everything that you have and, and, and put it away, put it aside because I want you to follow me. And they see here this word that, that sticks out to me. Uh, we see no hesitation. It says we, they straightway. That means lickety-split, they, they took off and followed Jesus. There was no, okay, just one second, let us go get everything that we have in order. Hold on, hold on one minute, God. No, it says they straightway, they dropped everything and they followed. They put everything that they had, everything that they've known for all of eternity, all their life that they had known, they put it all aside at one instance and said, okay, and straightway, 
Straightway. Straightway was when your dad used to call you. This is what my dad used to do. My dad says, I'm going to be able to talk, and if you can hear my voice from anywhere, you better be here within 10 seconds. That wouldn't work now. I couldn't get there fast enough. But my dad used to say, I want you to be here quick. I want you to be there fast. When I call your name, you don't hesitate. You don't wait. I want you there pronto, straightway. Get there quick. And here we see that's what they did. They were there straightway. I read this quote. It says, the biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. That hit me right in the head. A lot of us as Christians, we want to get all the benefits from Jesus Christ. We want to get everything that God has for us, but we don't want to do anything to earn them. We don't want to get, we don't get, we don't want to have to do any work. We don't want to have to get our hands dirty. We don't have to follow Jesus Christ, but we want all the benefits of serving God, but we don't want to be too close that he requires anything from us. And we see that that's what's wrong with a lot of our churches in today's day and time is we all want the benefits of being able to go to heaven. We all want the benefits that God's going to bestow upon us. And we all want these things, but we don't want to do anything to earn them. We said, oh, I got saved. Well, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and kind of do my own thing. And, you know, God just poured on me. Just let her fly. I'm, I'm ready to go. No, that's not what this is saying. That's not what God is wanting us to know. Another quote that I read says, when we really truly learn to follow Jesus, we find that obedience to God comes from the inside out. Submission to what God wants for our lives flows naturally out of that relationship. Uh, as you guys know, I love, I love singing. I love leading songs. I love uh, singing mostly a, a, about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this song came across my mind, and uh, I, I was listening to it today in the car, and it said, uh, it's, the song's called From the Inside Out. And it says, my heart and my soul, I give you control. Consume me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and praise become my embrace to love you from the inside out. Your will above all else. My purpose remains the art of losing myself and bringing you praise. Everlasting your light will shine when all else fails. Never ending your glory goes beyond all fame. And I read those words and think, how many times do we sing songs? And we sing songs, and Pastor even says all the time, we sing songs and it's just some kind of sorry excuse for lip service to Jesus Christ. And we're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus as our invitation here tonight. And there's a difference in saying, I have decided to follow Jesus and actually doing it and coming in here and singing the words because that's what we're doing as an invitation. That's a completely different thing. That's a, I, don't know, I don't know how many of you understand that, but that is a complete, I can come in here and sing all I want to, but until I actually do it, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. I can sing, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, and it doesn't do anything. And I don't know about you, but I've got super convicted lately about even singing songs, or, or speaking or saying anything that, that, is, that, is, that I just come up here and just say for everybody to sound good or for, for me to say something that everybody's like, oh, that was really good. I get convicted about those things because I want to live this out. I want to live this out. I've been telling uh, my wife and, and the different ones that recently God has been burning my heart. Every time I go somewhere, I'll sit in a, in a restaurant or I'll sit somewhere in a, in a, or walk in up and down Walmart and I look at people and I, I know this is not weird, but I watch people and think, they're going to spend an eternity somewhere. Every single person, it is convicting. Go sit in a restaurant and all the buzz and everything that's going, look around at everybody and they're going to spend eternity in hell or heaven. One or the other. And I get convicted thinking, what in the world am I doing? What, what am I doing? Am I, am I following the Lord's plan for my life? Am I doing what it is? Sometimes I want to stand on my table and just shout, hey everybody, I want to tell you some of the greatest news you'll ever hear. But I know that I can't do that because they'll kick me out. 
But I, I get so convicted, I want to go and pass tracks out to everybody and hand flyers out to everybody and, and do all these things. And I don't want to live a sorry excuse for a Christian life. And I don't want God to look at me one day and say, man, you could have done a lot better, Ty. Man, you could have done a lot better. Why do all this time you're telling me that you're a follower and you sang these songs and you got up there and led worship and you got up there and sung invitation songs, but you didn't even live that. You didn't even do that. And you led people in worship and you did these things. And, and did they mean that? Did they mean the words of I have decided to follow Jesus? The none go with me, still I will follow. It's a big deal. I think so many times we read the Bible like it's this Disney story, and it's not. The Bible's not a, not a Disney story that you look at, oh, that's great, that's cute, that's fun. It's real life. It's real life. It's real examples of what Jesus Christ gave to us, not so that we can be some sorry excuse as a Christian and sorry excuse uh, as, a, as a fan of Jesus Christ, but so that we can be a full-out follower of the Lord. Many have made a decision to believe in Jesus Christ without making a commitment to follow Jesus. A lot of us can make decisions about doing things, but until we make a full-blown commitment about that, it doesn't matter. Until you make a commitment about following Jesus Christ, we can all stand here and say, I have decided. But we ought, to be, we ought to be seeing, I have committed to follow Jesus. I have committed to follow what Jesus Christ says. A commitment is something that when you got married on, on your wedding day, you committed to stay with your husband or to stay with your wife. Or you committed to, to a job. Or you guys that have been in the military, you committed to serve this country. No matter what it was, you left your families. You left everything that you knew because you were committed to, to keeping our country safe. Follow me here appears to be very simple words. Yet those simple words have deep and broad implications for a person's life. First, when we look at the words, we, we, we say, God, what about, what about my business? And God says, first, follow me. And we say, God, what about my family? And God says, first, follow me. And he says, God, what about my future? And he says, first, follow me. And a lot of times we think that when we read the story of, of the disciples and they dropped everything, we, people, I think, get that misconstrued and say, okay, so I'm going to sell my house, I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to sell my car, I'm going to leave my family, and I'm just going to follow Jesus. No, I don't think that's what God's saying here. I think God's saying here, I want you to put everything in your life that you have above me right now, that is all second. He's not saying drop your house and go quit your job and do all these things and follow Jesus Christ, because he knows that that wouldn't work. So he's saying everything that you have in your life that's before me, every single aspect of your life that, that you put above me, I want you to get rid of those things. I want you to put your job second. I want you to put your job way back. I want you to put your hobbies. I want to put, I want to put all the things that you put above me. I want to put them far away. When I read this, I almost think that the Bible is saying that there should not even be a close second to following Jesus Christ. It almost should be not, there should be nothing. It's almost everything, it's, it's dead last compared to what Jesus Christ is telling us to do. In every area of, of our life, every area of the disciples' life came second to following Jesus. Some people think that, like I said, we're supposed to get rid of all these different things, but that's not what he's saying here. He's saying that there just needs to be no second. I want there to be no competitor to the Lord Jesus Christ. I, want, I don't want there to be anything that has any kind of competition between, coming in, uh, between me and the Lord Jesus Christ. Next here, uh, the call that he uses is the word you. And, and the next phrase, it's a, it's a singular word here. In order, uh, other words, saying, Peter, I want you to follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Uh, Andrew, I want you to follow me, and I will make you fisher of men. It would be a mistake here to think that this message uh, is one that is only for new believers or, or old believers or someone who has not become a Christian or someone that is, because this sermon here has nothing to do with everybody else. 
It has nothing to do with what everybody else is doing. It has everything to do with what you're doing. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. My dad always told me when we played sports or uh, growing up, going, going and doing different things, he said, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care if they're doing everything wrong. You don't do wrong. You do right. You, you remember what your last name is. Not that my last name is something special, but you remember who you are. You remember who Jesus Christ is and how he's first in your life. And you, I don't, I'm not worried about anybody else. Us as, us as kids and growing up, and even I've heard kids running here, but they're doing it. But he said, but, but they're going on, and, my, and, they, and, and my dad said, I don't care what anybody else is doing. I want you to do right. And Jesus Christ here is saying, I don't care what anybody else around you is doing. I want you to do right. If we all had that mentality about our Christian life and following him, I think we'd be drastically different than in following Jesus Christ. A lot of us as Christians look around and say, well, they're not. Well, they're not serving in a ministry. Well, how come they? Well, how come she's not? And how come they get to do this? And I just want to say, don't worry about anybody else. Worry about you. Worry about what, what it is that you're going to do. My dad, and, and, and saying all those different things, I remember just hearing all those words it's all the time in my head saying, worry about you. Worry about you. Worry about how you're going to play the sport. Worry about how you're going to act. Worry about what you're going to do to follow Jesus Christ. The call here is about Jesus. Jesus did not invite these men to live a, a, a moral lifestyle. He's not calling them to accept a certain view of life over one of another. The call is about himself. And I remember all these different things coming on before uh, my parents told me all these stories about before they had me, how life was great. I don't understand that, but um, they, they said that life was great before they had me. Uh, it kind of hurts my feelings, but um, they said life was good. They didn't have to worry uh, about what was going on. They could just get in the car and go on a date and, and drive around and do whatever they wanted to. And it almost seemed like I was like, in a, like a, a prison to them. I don't know. Like they couldn't leave the house. Everything got really expensive. If my mom was here, she would probably tell you the story about how I used to drink like two bottles and then she'd have to feed me more. And, and I was expensive and I, I was going through clothes and they wanted me to have this and this and that. And she said, our whole life changed whenever you came along. Our life was great when it was just me and your dad and everything was good. All of our decisions were just, hey, you want to get in the car? You want to go somewhere? Yeah, let's go. Hey, you want to go on vacation and have all the money to spend on vacation? Yeah, let's go. Hey, let's do this. And they said, when we had you, it's like our whole life was ended. It was done. And I remember them saying that, and they've said that to me and Kayla. And a lot of you have joked around about, uh, you know, us and me and Kayla will talk about we're going on a date night. And Pastor Tony will say, y'all have date nights every night for you guys. You have no responsibilities. You just can do whatever you want to. And it's kind of true. It is. I can do whatever I want to. But here they, they would talk about all these things. And all the decisions all the time, vacations, money, and recreation was always something to consider when you, have a, when you have a kid. And that is what it means to acknowledge Jesus' authority in following him. The call to follow Jesus means it's not about you, it's not about me anymore, it's about Jesus. It's about what they want. They said our whole life changed because everything that, that we want to do revolved around you. Everything that we had revolved around you. We want to make sure that you were okay. We want to make sure that you were taken care of. And everything changed. They went out and got more jobs, and they worked jobs, and they did all these kind of stuff, because everything changed when you came into our life. And I don't know about you, when Jesus came into my life, everything changed. When Jesus came into my life, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart, everything, everything changed. My whole life changed. Our whole way of thinking has changed. Whether you were young when you got saved, or older, or middle-aged, wherever you were, whenever you get saved, your whole way of thinking becomes different. The call here is also urgent. They were, they were to act immediately. They were to drop what they were doing at the very moment and instantly submit to Jesus Christ's authority and begin to follow Jesus. 
The call to Peter and Andrew is prompt. It was a do it now, straightway. The call to James and John was complete. It was give up everything and do it now. No more excuses. No more delays. No more information. Act now. A lot of us as Christians, we, we begin to complicate our Christian life. God gives us a command and we say, but, okay, God, but what about all this? And what about this? And what about what are we supposed to do here? And God, what's going to happen with this? And I don't remember reading in this unless you're reading a different Bible. God said, I want you to follow me. And that's what they did. They didn't ask questions. They followed him. They went after what he said and, and they followed Jesus Christ. Only the greatest of priorities can call us to abandon previous commitments to give allegiance to one another. I read this quote also. It says, the church must constantly fight the tendency to make rules and policies more important than people because when that happens, we are no longer following Jesus. Jesus Christ cared for people. He wanted, he wanted everything that was revolved. You read Jesus Christ's ministry and everything that he did, it was all revolved around people. Everything that he did, the people that he healed, the people that he was with, the people that he preached to was all about people. I was reading this uh, about our solar system that we live in, and I'll, I'll read this to you. But our solar system illustrates what it means to acknowledge the authority of Jesus as a follower. Primarily, our solar system consists of the sun and, and many planets. When the sun being at the center, and the sun holds the solar system together by its gravitational pull, which causes the planets to revolve around it. I don't know all this, but this is uh, information that I read. The sun dominates the gravitational field because it makes up 99% of the mass of the solar system. All the other planets combined up only uh, make 1% of the mass found in our solar system. There's always something at the center that, that directs and defines everything else that moves around it. And we sing the song around here, one of our favorite songs we've been singing for invitation, Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of all. From beginning to the end, you will always be, you've always been. And we sing those songs and we read those things. And I, and I, follow, I, I read this stuff, stuff about following. And what is at the center of your life that everything else revolves around? Is it Jesus? Is it, is it Jesus Christ? Can you truly say when you examine your life and say, what is at the center of my life? Is, is it Jesus or is, or is the real center of your life your career or your kids or your money or other interests that you, that you may have? What would an objective viewer of your life say is the controlling influence of your life? Somebody from the outside looking at you and saying, what is it that, that controls them? What would they say about you? I'm always anxious to hear what people would say about me and, and what they would say that, oh, he lives a life that is, that is close to Jesus. You can tell that he is trying to have a close Christian walk. What would they say? When you sing these words and we hear these words preached, what is it? is it? Is Jesus truly at the center of your life? Is he truly someone that you have decided to follow? Far too many Christians, Jesus is no longer the sun pulling everything in relationship to him. He has been relegated to a, a planet circling whatever else that we have given him authority to. Number two, to follow Jesus means to receive his grace. In Mark 2, 13 through 17, it says, And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of a custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician. I love this verse. I love that Jesus was kind of like sarcastic back to them. Pastor Tony probably loves this too. So I love how he says, People that are whole, why, why, do, they, why do they need a physician? 
Why do people that aren't sick need to be healed? We don't go to the hospital when we're feeling great, unless you're a weirdo. You don't go to the hospital just to go around there. You go to the hospital because you're sick. You go to the hospital because you need help. He says, they that are whole have no need of physician, but they that are sick. And he says, I came not to call just the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I love it. I love that. I, I didn't come just to, to call the righteous. I didn't come. You've already, so, you've already got it. I've come to come to the sinners. I want to be around the ones that are doing wrong. I want to be around the publicans and the ones that this Bible says are sinners. I don't know who that is, but I imagine we think of sinners in our day and age, people that aren't doing right, people that are living wrong lifestyles, people that are jacked up in their thinking and that don't know what's going on. And, and these are the people that Jesus Christ is hanging out to. He says, I didn't come to heal the, heal the ones that are healthy. I came to heal the sick. Levi is also known as Matthew here and the author of the first book of the New Testament. and said that when Matthew followed Jesus, he left everything but his fountain pen. The other men could go back to fishing if things uh, did not work out, but not Matthew. He lost his job for good. Mark's purpose, including Levi's call to follow Jesus, was not so much to reveal how to respond to Jesus, but to show the grace of Jesus for all people. The word follow is written in a, in a present tense here in the New Testament that means continually or to keep on following Jesus. Levi's response was, and he arose and followed him. Is written as a, as a verb tense. That means that at one point in time, his decision was definite. His decision was permanent. And Jesus says to Levi, I want you to always follow me. I don't want to be a short time. I want you to always follow me. I, I, I'm never going to leave you. You never have to return to your old life. That old life that you lived is over. It's dead. It's gone. I want you to continually follow me. And in contrast here, we see the Pharisees, and their name means the separated ones. And the Pharisees were very careful to keep the law. They believed the way to see God was only by keeping the law. And people admired their great commitment uh, to keeping the law and to God. I'm going to be kind of funny here just for a minute. I'm, I'll be done soon. But suppose we came to church. Is Dave in here? Is Dave in here? Yeah, Dave's here. All right, Dave. Because me and your buddies, I'm going to use you tonight, okay? Suppose you came to church tonight in the front yard of, of where Dave lives was filled with a bunch of uh, cigarette-smoking, tattooed bar people, and all their mamas were over there, and, and they were over there, and they were having a big, crazy people party, and, and everything was going on. There was all kind of weirdos over there. And in the middle of all that diversity, in the middle of all that shenanigans, you see Pastor Dave over there flipping hamburgers and cooking and just chatting it up and talking with everybody and, and going along and doing all this kind of stuff. And you see Dave over there, and he's cooking and doing these things. Would you come to the house of God rejoicing? about that or registering a complaint now some of us thinking oh, I'd, it's, I'd be rejoicing because Dave you know whatever but can you really think about what he's saying here if, you, if, if Dave was over there and all these people around there are having a cookout would you be rejoicing or would you be registering a complaint about what is going on this is the way the Pharisees felt it's the same way that they felt they simply did not understand what in the world Jesus was doing how in the world can Jesus the, the son of God be here sitting with sinners and, and around with these nasty, horrible, wretched people and all these people that are cheaters and, and stealers and adulterers. How can he be doing that? And Jesus makes an analogy here to help them understand what his motivation is. He says it would be ludicrous for a doctor to, to say he does not want to see sick people and only healthy people. Of course a doctor sees sick people. But it's also ridiculous for the Savior of the world for, that has come down to this world to not want to be with sinners. That was why he came. Jesus' amazing grace reaches out to all, even though it's indistinctly we, we withdraw from. These people 
you see all through the Bible, those people, the Samaritan woman who was divorced five times and was in an adulterous relationship, and we see all the, all the different things, uh, the, the one, the, cro- the, the, the thief that was on the cross, lived a life that was wasted and had nothing else to give. And these people were not just tokens of, of God's love and grace, but they were all, the central reason that Jesus Christ came. And you read all the different stories in the Bible about all these many different people, about the different things that were going on in their life, and how God came just, for, just as he came for you, he came for them. And Levi's a reminder that no one is too bad to be saved. God specializes in saving really, 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 really bad people. It's a mistake to think that we have to clean up our life before we can be accepted by God. What is required is to follow Jesus by, by accepting his grace for you. Lastly, and I'm done. To follow Jesus means to stand in his presence. In Mark 3, verses 13 through 19, it says, And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him, whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and, Jesus, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he surnamed them uh, Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder. And Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and the Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas, the Iscariot, which also betrayed him. And they went into a house. Have you ever noticed that one of the ingredients in good stories is odd mixtures of people? When you see, you think of Gilligan's Island, that couldn't have been a weirder group of people. You think of these different shows of people that are all around, and then you think of Andy off of Andy Griffith, and you think of Barney. That's just a weird group of people. It's weird. But you see here that all these things came together because they, they're, they're greater together than they were separately and you see all these different things that Jesus Christ has given us. The list of disciples is just as strange. We don't have time. I don't want to go through everything to point out every contrast and everything that's between these guys. But what I do want to point out to you is that something so changes these men individually and corporately that these dozen are the people who transform the world with Jesus. That's the explanation is Jesus. Jesus had two purposes for these men here was communion and commission. Before they were to go to work for Jesus, he wanted them to be with him. And we all know that it's essential to read the Bible and pray and attend church and to have devotions and to do these different things in order to grow and, and witness the people to, to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. But the real secret to following Jesus and being transformed by Jesus is not a, not a program and not a plan, but it's all about a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. We have programs and we have plans that help us accomplish the goal as pastors preached before. But the, the, but the main thing here is, is, is the person, and that's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. The story that I read that was very influential here, it says there was a preacher that tells of a woman in his church who, who was a perpetual dieter. She tried one program after another, but she was never permanently successful. The last time he saw her, she looked great. He asked, what happened? What happened to you? You must have found the right program. It must have been Jenny Craig. There's a plug for Maggie. Must have been one of these things. It must have been Weight Watchers. What did you do? What program did you find? She said, no, I found the right guy. We started dating and fell in love, and he loved me enough to say, I think you need to lose some weight. She added, I found energy I never had before. It didn't matter what the program was I was using. I want you to get this. It didn't matter what the program was. It didn't matter what the plan was. She said, it didn't matter what the program I was using because there was someone in my life that I wanted to please. And if we would take that into our Christian lives and say, it's not about a program, it's not about some special plan, 
But Jesus Christ, the person that's in my life, I want to please him. I want to please the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's everything. When, when Jesus Christ is the, the highest on your list and everything that you do revolves around pleasing him, you can do things and, and, and begin to conquer things in your life and to follow Jesus Christ in such a greater way than you'll, than you'll ever, ever understand. The last thing here, and, and, and we'll be done. After communion with Jesus, there's commission by Jesus. It makes sense. After being in the presence of Christ, you become so excited about him that you want to tell others. When you first got saved, think about the time if you were later on in your life and you first got saved, you wanted to tell every single person that you came across about Jesus Christ. You were on fire. You could not, you could not stand it. You had to go tell everybody. And everybody was probably sick and tired of you talking about Jesus. And you, you see that, but that's, that's what he's saying here. When, you, when you're so full of God, you, you're so full of Lord Jesus Christ, you can't help but wanting to share that with other people. Last thing, and I'm done. Recently, we, I, I watched a... Uh, watched a video of a, of a famous bass fisherman. His name is Jimmy Houston. And he was, he was catching fish. And uh, he was out there, and, and he had this new, new uh, lure, and he caught three bass on, on this one thing. It's like a big metal contraption. It has a bunch of bait hanging off of it. And he caught three huge bass off, off of this rig that he had. And he said, I've never, I've never done that before. And I, I begin, I've heard this before, but I begin doing some research on him. He has a little a Jesus fish on the side of his boat and on his hat. And so I thought, well, maybe he's a follower. Maybe he, uh, he's a, he has a, you know, a testimony of, of Jesus Christ. I begin uh, reading after him and, and come to find out he was a deacon at, at a church in Oklahoma. And uh, I read this story about him, and this will all tie in and, and I'll be done. In 2003, he walked away from a potential $100,000 prize on the professional uh, bass fishing circuit. And the Bass Angler of the Year competition was picked up uh, by, by a beer sponsor. And uh, the participants were required to wear uh, a bush beer jacket patch and had the bush beer logo displayed on the side of their boat. And Houston and some other fishermen refused to, to advertise um, this beer company. But this also meant that they were ineligible for the points that they would need to qualify to be able to uh, get this $100,000 prize. So Jimmy Houston had won that contest twice before, and several years earlier, uh, the Miller Brewery Company came to him and offered to pay him $175,000 to, to do an advertisement, and he would not do it. He walked away from an easy $175,000, walked away from it. There was also another guy named Lyndall Martin, also dropped out of the events that year. He too was a deacon at a Baptist church in Texas. And he said, I had a problem with alcohol years ago, and the Lord took that away from me. I've never seen anything good come out of a beer can. The money issue is only uh, the only thing good that came out of that, the, the Bush agreement that we had. And I feel like I could have gotten another sponsor and done just as well without having to have them. And you can learn how to catch fish from these guys. I'm sure if you were to watch their videos, they could teach you how. And to learn what it means here to, to be a fisherman. But you can also learn what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Do you have any question who or what was at the authority in their lives? By, by, by not doing those things, I'm sure there's many, many stories out there. But by saying I'm not going to do that and that's not the best thing, that's, you look at that and, and say, well, he's probably a believer. He didn't want to do that. And by his stories, we see what, that's what he said. We hear the story of the other guy, Mr. Martin, who voiced in God graciously rescuing him from alcoholism. And we know the value these men placed on the relationship with Jesus, that they would not violate it for $100,000. They wouldn't do that. And the reason why is because following Jesus transforms lives. I told our Sunday school class this morning, we're talking about growth, being a healthy Christian, and, and all the different things. And if, if you're not growing in, in your physical life, 
you would think that there's a problem. If you're not growing in height or your arms are growing or legs are growing, there's a problem with that. And you'd probably go to the doctor and want to be checked out about what's happening. But when there's a non-growing in, in, our, in our Christian lives, a lot of times we kind of put that to the side and like, okay, it's not a big deal. No big deal. We put those things aside. But if there's not growing in your life, people are not following Jesus Christ, there's no growth in your Christianity, then, then, there, then there's death. And I want you to, to examine, and I'm, and I'm done, when you think about your, your Christian life here, are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower? When someone looks at you, can they say, there's something different about them? There's something different about what they're doing, the way they talk, the way they act, the way they look, the way they dress, the, way, the things that they watch, the things they listen to. There's something different about what they're doing. Or when people see you, they're like, oh, man, I wouldn't know they ever went to church. I had no clue that they, ever, that they would ever uh, have stepped in, inside of a, a church before. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be a fan of Jesus. never want to be a fan. I want to be a follower. I want to know what it truly means to follow Jesus. I want to live a whole life that is completely and utterly sold out to Lord Jesus Christ.